0: is doing here in us through us in this great ministerial effort he's given us and I'm just going to talk a few minutes this morning about faithful Jesus faithful Jesus let's pray again before we get into the word father again we thank you for the life of Brother Dale and his family and all of those who are still here and even those who went before him. We thank you, Lord, for the mission that you put his feet to and his hands to and that we were able to be found as co-laborers with you and him for a season of our lives and his. We thank you for where he is now and where we will be soon. And we just praise you, Lord, for the opportunity again to be right here in this place with these who are here and those who are with us online this morning to worship you and to be found looking by your grace for you and that grace that will be revealed at the great revelation of your coming to us. We thank you this morning for eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts that are receptive to the word of God. And may we be encouraged today edified and strengthened by your spirit as we hear the word of the Lord. We pray for every one of these individuals whose name is on this piece of paper this morning, everyone here in this room, and all of those that we are interceding for, those who are online this morning and all of those they are interceding for. And we can pray this to you because you've given us the approach, the avenue of approach to you, and you've given us the righteousness of your Son that allows our prayers to avail. And I thank you that we can ask, and I thank you that we can look to see and watch you do these things we're asking for, the healings that need to take place the miracles that need to be worked, the salvation that needs to take place, the conviction to live saved that needs to take place. We thank you, Lord, for restored relationships, and we thank you for a church that's waking up to your righteousness. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for even though a nation we find ourselves in, Lord, backslidden and running as fast as they can from you. I thank you, Lord, for making us the light in this nation. That as fast as they may run, they cannot escape your light. And I thank you for turning the light on brighter in these last few moments of this age. I thank you for opening doors that we never could have imagined to take this gospel through. I thank you for many souls being saved and many souls that have been saved being convicted to put you first in their lives and to be found seeking you above all things we thank you this morning again for your presence in this place and your power that's available toward us Oh, that same power that you worked in your son when you raised him from the dead, by that same spirit that dwells in us. Hallelujah. And I pray, God, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to wrap around our hearts today. And Lord, that you would encourage us and strengthen us in the faith today. And we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. This will be a short, basic message this morning about our faithful Jesus. And I believe what he wants me to talk about for a few minutes is the possibility that we have to live for Jesus, to be faithful to Jesus, all because he was faithful for us. Not just for us, but to us. Any faithfulness that takes place in our lives, if it's true faithfulness unto the Lord, it is only a reflection of his faithfulness for us and to us. We cannot be faithful to him unless we're experiencing his faithfulness to us. We cannot do anything. Just as Jesus said he could do nothing without it being the Father working in him and through him, we can do nothing that it be not Jesus by his Spirit working in us and through us. So the main point, the only point this morning is that you can live for God. You can be faithful to God. It shouldn't be a struggle. Jesus made it possible through what he did at Calvary. You can live for God. You'll never be perfect till you see him, but you can follow his perfect will. You can follow him. He is perfect, and his will is perfect. We, we, we can't mess God's will up. We can only fail to keep it. You can't mess God's will up. His will is good and acceptable and perfect. We can fail to keep it, but we can't mess it up. And you ought to be shouting the high praises of God right now because you can mess it. You can mess up for 20 years and still step in a moment's time back into the perfect will of God for your life. He, he's not going to change his mind because you chose or I chose to throw away 20 years. He, all you got to do is come back to where he planted you to begin with and start afresh right there. And he's not going to hold anything against you that you went and threw away. He's not going to hold any of that against you because his son's already took care of that for you. And all you have to do is step back into a fresh place. You can live for God. You can be faithful to God. And tomorrow you can be more faithful to God more it's the more it's fruit it's more fruit and it's much fruit fruit that remains so that at the end of our lives or at any point in our lives we don't have to have the testimony of I used to I used to sing in the choir I used to teach I used to go to church I used to read my Bible that's not fruit that remains that's fruit that was The fruit that glorifies your heavenly Father is fruit that remains, the Bible says, Jesus taught us. So you can be faithful to God. And when you fail, not if you fail, but when we fail, it's just one look back to Calvary and another step with the Lord. If we walk in the light that He is walking in, we have fellowship one with another and the blood will cleanse us from all sin and unrighteousness so that we can take another step with our Lord. Don't get in the mummy grubs because you made a mistake. Don't get in the mummy grubs because you threw away 10 years or maybe 40 years because all that is really irrelevant. Now faith is now faith is rise up and live for God and be faithful to God Uh, listen if you're struggling to find this desire that you see other people have God's not holding back on you you're holding back on him he doesn't just show up and out of nowhere just give somebody something that he doesn't offer everyone If you will ask God to give you the hunger you need that you know you don't have, but you see other people do have, He will be faithful to give you that hunger, to stir that in you, to make you want to run to this every day. Amen. And it won't become a law to you, but it will become, oh, a mighty sufficient grace. Yes. You know, you, you shouldn't feel like, well, I have to go read the Bible. I, I know it's like, God, I can't wait to hear from you today. This hunger and this love. For the Lord should be that. And again, if you're struggling in that area, it's not God holding back on you. It's you holding back on Him. I said something very powerful that I didn't plan on saying Wednesday night in the message. And it is this, that if you have a heart for God, it's going to end up at Calvary or it's not a true heart. Because... God can only develop in me a heart for him as I am beholding the very thing that allowed him to give me that new heart. He's not just going to out of nowhere pick somebody and give them and mold and shape them to have a heart for them. It takes me choosing to believe in him, in what he did at Calvary. And not just having once believed, but being a believing believer are you a believer? Yeah. Well, that could mean that you once believed. We need to start changing that question and say, are you a believing believer? What's God telling you? What's God doing in your life? Amen. What's the word God's stirring in your heart? Amen. So God can't Uh, stir you and produce in you that heart for him unless you're beholding that one who offered his life to be able to give you that new heart that you desperately need and that you've been given if you're a born-again Christian. He didn't just change your heart. He got rid of that old heart and gave you a new heart, the Bible says. And, And you, listen, laying around and crying about it, Feeling woe is me like a victim, God's not gonna move on that. That's really pride at the other other end of the stick. There's the man that walks around like he's Mr. Somebody better than everybody. And then there's the other end of the same stick that's a prideful stick that says, I'm nothing, I'll never have nothing, I'm nobody, and every other blah, 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 blah. That's pride. That's pride pride you see it all over social media people just pouring out their little woe is me and victim attitudes when and these people claim to be Christian Christianity is a life that's lived and no we're not perfect and I have to say that so people don't run out of here saying well yeah all this stuff you're not perfect but you have a perfect Savior and his plan is perfect the redeeming the redeeming uh, uh, offer is a perfect it's a perfect redemption And your life can be better. Hallelujah. Your life can be better. I ain't talking about better house, better food. I'm talking about your life can express Christ more. And if that's your desire, He'll start showing you what it takes for that to happen amen and it's not just whatever we want however we want it it took Jesus being crucified to save me and my bible teaches me that I'm only going to be changed and made conformable into that image if I'm beholding that image going from glory to glory beholding that image and I changed into that image by the spirit of God not any other image but what God saw when he saw his son dying on the cross that's what we're being and changed into. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So Jesus gave his life on the cross so we could be forgiven and so that we, so that he would now be able to express himself to others through us. That's living. That's living. living. Coming to church is good, but expressing Christ while you're at church is better. Amen. Amen. Living the Christian life is not us trying to live better but us learning how Christ lives and is expressed through us because for us to live now is Christ. Yeah. It's Christ that's living in me. Yeah. Amen. I saw a clip here in the last couple of days of somebody shared it on social media of a preacher standing in the pulpit and he was saying, God forgive us. This right here is for preaching Jesus. The pulpit is for preaching Jesus. The pulpit is for preaching Jesus. I said, the pulpit is for preaching Jesus. If you're preaching about worship, teaching about worship, it better be about worshiping the Father in the name of the Son He gave for you to be able to worship Him. Whatever you're pulling out of that word to put on the table, it better be about Jesus. It better be about Jesus. Not a ministry, not a man, not even something specific in the Word. When we leave, we better have a little more of Jesus uh, filling our hearts. That's what the church needs to get back to, and we can't get back to that unless we get back to where God planted us uh, together in the death of his son. From there we live, hallelujah, the power that God worked, uh, he worked in his death, in in the death of his son when he raised him from the dead. The power was in his death, And he raised him with that power from the dead. That's where the power and the life and everything comes from. So I want to quote this verse that Jesus gave us. He told this, and and I'm not preaching this in one way that I have or could one day later preach this, but Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus said, and we've quoted it often, we've read it. It's an alarming scripture. It's a very alarming scripture. Matthew seven twenty one. i got news for you folks. If Jesus himself was on the earth walking around, and a lot of people, a lot of church people wouldn't follow him today. They wouldn't follow him today. And he wouldn't have a problem telling folks, just like he did then, your daddy is the devil. And if you don't believe on me, you will die in your sins. That's our Jesus that taught those things. Amen. And we need to... We need to learn Jesus from the Word, not Jesus, how I feel. Yes. Amen. Be careful of that. Jesus taught Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Yes. Yes. Those, Not those that say, "Jesus, Lord, Lord but those that do the will of the Father. Do you understand that? Doing the will of the Father is a life given to the Father through faith in the Son and now living by the power of the Holy Spirit to carry out His will, not mine. His will, not those that say, Lord, Lord, but those that do, that's an experience, those that do the will of the Father. And you can't just say, well, the will of the Father is for me to be saved. That's true, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about doing the will of the Father, living out the will of the Father as a saved person. Yes, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. A lot of people get mixed up and confused when they start thinking that, well, Jesus' obedience is my obedience. I ain't got to do nothing. That first part's true. But if my faith is in Jesus and what he did at Calvary through humility and obedience, let me say it clearly, if that is where my faith is, I will be functioning in the will of my Father in heaven. And if I'm not, it's because I am not Presently, I might have some time in the past, but I am not believing now that truth, that redemptive truth that's required for me to be found doing the will of God. Amen. Amen. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And let me make this statement this morning because it is what we should be asking folks, I guess. We either do not want to live for God or we do not know how. If, if we're not, if we're not scripturally living for God with the fruit thereof, it's because we don't know or we don't want to. There's not a third option. When the Lord found you, he found you in a desperate place, and I'm talking to you who were saved, but you were realizing things weren't working out for you. All the stuff that's going on, man, there's, there's there's far more things in the church that are not right than the, or that is right. Far more. Far outweighs, out, outweighs the, the, good, the good and the right. Far more that which is false and, and bad and, and not good unscriptural. And we we were found in a place where we wanted to live for God, but it wasn't working. He found us there. He found me in an old warehouse. Everything just falling apart, spiritually nothing. And you've heard my testimony when I told the Lord, Lord, I, all I know is that you love me, all that other stuff. I don't know anything about that. In other words, I, I'm, I'm throwing all that out. And that's where he brought me to, to a start all over again place. All I know is you love me. And I begin to hear the message of the cross, the focus of the cross in the scriptures. And the Lord began to light that fire in my heart again. And he began to show me how to live with scriptures that tell me how he has provided a way for me to live and a way for me to be found doing the will of God found before him not not trying to put on a show for people which is for the most part what most of everything is today in the church but there are people there are Christians who want to live for God and I mean really want to live for God and he sees that heart and he shows up and he reveals his covenant to them Because where he cut covenant is where you met him and where he actually unloaded all his benefits on you. That's where he unloaded on you and in you all the benefits. Everything that you've ever experienced that's of him after your salvation is because of the full package deal he gave you at your salvation. Everything that comes along you experience was already provided in the Lamb. You and I just have to learn how to walk in it, how to believe God, how to serve God, how to do the will of the Father. I can promise you this, according to the Word of God, that if you're doing the will of God, you won't find a more blessed place place of living in your life ever. It doesn't matter if you're the, the, the financially most broke person in the community or you're the richest. If you're doing the will of God, that's where your joy and your peace and your strength and your stability by the grace of God will always come from. Not from doing something, but because of what you're believing that allows the Spirit of God to carry out the will of God through you. Because you and I cannot do the will of God without the Spirit of God, and He can't do it in us and through us without our hearts yielded to obedience unto righteousness, which is faith in the sacrifice. So, do we want to? Either we don't know how to live for God, or we don't want to. And like I've testified of my own self years ago, I was in a place as a Christian backslidden, and I don't think the message of the cross, if I'd have heard it, I'd have said, oh, good, whatever, because I was too much about me at that point. God has to show up and start doing some breaking. Amen. Don't think your God can't show up and start doing some breaking. Amen. You read the story of all the stories of what he did to his people Israel that ain't changed my friend he still shows up to break his people he put them in the wilderness to try them. and Job 7:18 says he tries us every moment every moment there's never a moment that God's not trying us and that trying that he's performing he's testing us to see if we will Keep our minds stayed on that, which He's always delivering us unto. Which is the death of His Son. Because hear me this morning. Out of nothing else comes the will of the Father. No matter how much good I go do, there's some there's some there's some folks that are not Christians who are doing some mighty good things. Don't let that deceive you. And praise God for the good that's happening. I'm, I mean, I don't care what they believe. If they've got a shot, going to keep me alive for about 10 more years, give it to me, boy. But I ain't listening to them spiritually. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good, but they lost. Amen. It's good. It's good among men in men's eyes. But there ain't nothing good that hadn't come out of the death of Jesus in God's everything, hours. Everything. Don't come up after church and well, you know, God does see that listen, a corrupt tree cannot produce anything good. Amen. Hmm. Amen. If I'm lost uh, uh, and I think I'm going to get to heaven because I'm feeding five people some food who's homeless and they hungry. Do you know for those people that get fed, that's good. If you're hungry and somebody gives you a sandwich, that's good. But, you, but there is no good in God's eyes on our part when we're just doing that, thinking that we're saving ourselves. That's evil in God's eyes. So you've got to be careful. And that's why that's why Hebrews 5 teaches there's a level of discernment that if you don't have, then you're not really going to be able to discern, discern between good and evil like you could and should. And what is it that opens the door to that discernment? Becoming experienced in the word of righteousness, which is the word of the cross. Amen. So let's go to First Peter chapter two today. That was all just to get to where we're going. First Peter chapter two, and and I want to share this scripture scripture with you again this morning because the Lord began to expound these scriptures I'm about to read with you this morning to me some three years ago, or thereabout. When I began to ask the Lord, and by the way, He was stirring me to ask this Him for something. Y'all know He does that, right? Yeah. He stirs your heart to even start seeking him about certain things. And I begin to ask the Lord, and I've told you this before, Lord, show me what you saw at Calvary. Show me how you see the cross. And you know, there's songs we sing, and rightly so, and they're good and they're correct. I'll never know. What's the rest of it? how much it cost, And we won't on this side of glory. We may never know. We see what it costs, but the words of that song are correct. I'll never know how much it cost. We do see the price it was paid, but the the how big that is to God. And I begin to pray, Lord, show me what you see at Calvary, what you saw there i want to see what you saw and these are the scriptures the lord began to explain to me not only the way he saw calvary but what it means for us to be being made conformable to the death of his son if you read that in philippians 3 and 10 You'll walk away confused, thinking, "Well, if how am I being made conformable to the death of Jesus, the, the, the bloody, gory mess on the cross?" I know God doesn't want me to go out and crucify myself. I, so, I, you know, a lot of Christians don't understand this. How am I being? What does it look like for me to be being made conformable to the death of my Savior? And I believe the Lord gave me these scriptures to help us to be able to understand and to see what he sees at Calvary, what he saw. You know, the vision that you have as a Christian is the vision of the Lord. He didn't just give you your vision and you your vision. He gave us his vision. As a Christian, we now can begin to learn to see things the way our Heavenly Father sees things. How precious is that? Don't you want to walk with Jesus and learn of Jesus to be able to see and to understand and even more so experience the will of the Father in your life? I know you do. But to do that, you have to begin to learn more about Calvary's lamb as I said on my broadcast Friday morning all the doctrines and teachings in the word of God are never to distract us from the cross they are to enhance our view thereof if that's not what we're gaining a clear view of we are just mishandling the word of God with our hearts The living word of God is what God wants to show us through the written word of God by the spirit of God all about what he did for us as the Lamb of God. The Bible should never distract us from Calvary it should always point us there and enhance our view there because only as we view that place that God is always delivering us to can we experience the only one place where we can express Christ yes. nowhere else nowhere else first Peter chapter 2 verse 19. The Bible says, for this is thankworthy if a man for conscious sake toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. You know what this means? It, it, this, it's a thankworthy situation Situation if a man for conscience toward God, he's doing what he's doing toward God, for conscious sake endures grief he, and he suffers wrongly, that's a good thing. Amen. It's like somebody telling me, you can't preach the cross no more. If you do, then I'm going to cause bad things to happen to you. Well, I'm going to choose right there. Whose power am I going to trust in? His words or the word of the Lord? Listen, everybody's suffering. Nobody that's alive is not suffering. You can't tell me that lost people aren't suffering without Christ. If you don't know Christ, you're suffering. Amen. You might be trusting in your money, but your soul is lost. And lo- all lost people are suffering because they're being dominated by the sin nature and the devil and the world. Amen. Amen. And Christians who don't know how to live for God, they suffer it. And people suffer through sickness and people suffer through all kinds of... Everybody on the planet at this very moment is suffering whether they realize it or not. You and I get to choose which avenue of suffering we're going to take. We've chosen to take the avenue of being found in the fellowship of the suffering of our Savior. That's the suffering we're going to choose to participate in. Amen. Amen. For what glory, verse 20, is it, if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? Well, I I, I robbed that store over there. I, I rightly so deserve to be in jail, so I'm not going to say anything. Well, that's a good attitude, but you ain't getting nothing from God for it. That's what he's saying here. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Why is this acceptable with God? Because it's a picture of what he saw at Calvary. And that's where he's leading us In the next few verses, you're going to see what God saw at Calvary and that's when his son suffered wrongfully at the hands of men and he took it patiently and you're going to see what God saw at Calvary and this is what we see this morning is what he's conforming us into. We don't always do well in these situations. Even when we're doing that which is right and somebody buffets us for it, we still have a tendency to lash out. We still have a tendency, even when we're, let me say it so we'll all understand it, even when we're doing that which we know is right and it's God's will and we're doing it and somebody hammers us for us, we want to take a break, pull out a hammer and do some hammering ourselves. Can't you see I'm doing right? Can't you see what I'm doing the Bible says for me to be doing? What you doing? Jesus didn't do that. I hope this can help us today. This is acceptable God. what is when you're being buffeted the Bible calls it I'm sure if we looked into that it'd be a lot of different things like look down on, pushed aside, persecuted, criticized a whole lot of stuff for doing good. if you take it patiently, That's acceptable with God. For even here unto were you called, Curtis. See, that's how I read the Bible. Because that's how it is written to me and to you. This is what you were called to, Curtis. Because Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example that you should follow his footsteps. Amen. Not just the preacher. But you, Curtis. Amen. Even hereunto were you called, called to what? Called that when I'm buffeted, when I'm criticized, when I'm being talked negative about, to take it patiently. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. They're hitting me with a hammer, my flesh wants to pull one out and hit them back let me say it better and more in our face when they're hammering me on social media I want to hammer them back but the Lord says I don't think so this is not what I want to see this is not the example I left you this has no view of my son and what he did in it for you you're not looking there. Behold the Lamb. Learn to hear the Holy Spirit say that to you. John the Baptist was the greatest man ever born of a woman, right? Bible says that until we showed up. That's what Jesus said. But he's, yeah, he's the least in the kingdom. Until we showed up. In Christ. Mm. Every once in a while, we're going to be like John the Baptist. We're going to say, Am I sure about this? They sure hamming me good right now. Lord, is this right? If this was right, would they really be hamming me like this? If this was right, wouldn't they all want to be in on it? And the Lord reminds me, Jesus all by himself purged me from my sins. He had no help from anybody that was a man. Only the Father's will being carried out by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus, his submission, humility, and obedience to the Father has given us what we have today. For here, even here unto you called, because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps right here if it, it, right here is where you lose a lot of people because they don't understand true suffering we instead of beholding the lamb when it comes time for whatever happens, the news, the confrontation, the whatever it may be of a million different things, when it comes, we've got to learn to behold the Lamb. You have got to learn to behold the Lamb, for there you're going to see the suffering that mattered. And that's when you choose to behold the lamb and trust in what the lamb did for you at Calvary. Are you going to be able to be found participating by faith in the fellowship of his sufferings, which will put all that other suffering in its proper lower place? But, but we're, we're it's very easy for us to exalt uh, some type of suffering in the family or suffering from things going on in this world and let it be uh, the mountain instead of being crushed by what Jesus did at Calvary in his suffering. Everybody's suffering, we're all gonna suffer, but the example we were left by God to be able to suffer and endure suffering Jesus gave us at Calvary. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Man, we can't say that enough. We can't say that loud enough. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? This God that had so patiently long-awaited the time when he would send forth his son in the what's the bible call it the the fullness of that moment to be born under the law and of a woman to to deliver us all who were bound under the curse of the law to to bring us out of that and put us under his grace which is under his will being carried out by him through the blood of his son watch now Here comes the great revelation. I believe it is a great revelation. I pray the Lord expand on it in all of our hearts today and enlarge our hearts and fill it with more of this great revelation of what he saw when he saw his son being crucified. Watch carefully this morning, verse 22, talking about Jesus who did no sin. Hmm. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. Now, I've got to say this today. Just because there's a tendency to threaten when we suffer doesn't mean that the, the potential and the power is not there for us to escape that you can escape being pulled into the wrong kind of suffering which really if it's not the suffering of the cross and we get involved in the wrong way and we don't deal with all the other suffering that's in the world everywhere properly then it becomes self-destruction self-destruction self-deception self-deceit you can blame them all day long you can blame them and what they did was wrong how they did it was wrong why they all that it was wrong but you can't keep blaming people for your problems if you do you're still a part of that problem you're all tangled up in if you want to get tangled up in the things of god you got to behold the lamb of god And you got to say, Lord, that was enough. It was enough to save me. It was enough to move me on past all this stuff that's had me staggering and tripping and all tangled up. You can escape that through faith in Christ if you'll behold the Lamb. You got to behold the very promise that God not only made with his mouth for years, but th- he sent his word to deliver them, to heal them and to deliver them from all destruction. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah so verse 23 again who when he was reviled he reviled not again when he suffered he threatened not so what did he do he did respond it's not correct to say that he didn't respond he did respond but he didn't respond to their inducing suffering upon him their way he responded to the God his father that sent him to suffer for us hallelujah the Last Supper, Jesus said, With desire, I have desired to eat this last dinner with you before I suffer. Then he finds the two guys on the road to Emmaus and and he says, oh fool, slow of heart and what do you say? Slow to believe or something like that. He says, don't you know, and I'm paraphrasing, you can read it in Luke 24. He says, don't you know the son of man, the son of God, the son of man probably had to suffer. Then comes the glory. Suffering is a part of our example left to us. You're going to suffer. Just make sure that you behold the Lamb so it's you partaking and experiencing the fellowship of the suffering of your Savior and all the other suffering that you're going to have to go through the loss of loved ones if you behold the lamb then you what that don't mean that that's just going to be forgotten and you'll never think of it but it means what you receive from beholding the lamb will far outweigh what does the bible say about can't read my mind i know it can you (laughs) that the glory that's about to be revealed in us far outweighs all the present sufferings now the present sufferings or something like that are not worthy to be what's the word compared to the glory that's about to be revealed in us so you're gonna suffer bad Are gonna happen. But in those moments, you've got to remember God, your faithful Lord, is there trying you, testing you to see if you'll behold that which He's provided that far outweighs all of that. Yes, that's bad, that's horrible, it's it's broken my heart. I'm mourning, I'm grieving, I lost my job, I lost all my money, I lost my, my whatever it is that you've lost, or whatever it is they're doing. That you are saying about you you've got to learn to behold the Lamb I'm not talking about you just saying some specific words trying to speak yourself out of a situation you have got to learn to behold the Lamb from your heart that's the suffering God chose to provide for your salvation and your example to live through it all Here it is, he did respond in the middle of verse 23, but he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. You see, God's righteousness led Christ to Calvary. God's righteous judgment led Christ to Calvary and instead of responding negatively to his physical suffering through the hands of men, he responded to the suffering that God sent him. I've told you already to, to provide for us to bring us into the beloved, into the family of God, into this place where we can experience the will of our Father. Look at this. He committed himself to him that judges righteously who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Here it comes. Here comes the shouting news right here that we being dead to sins uh, should live under righteousness. We can live under righteousness because he provided the way for us to be dead to sin. And now, look, it says, us now being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. I mean, That's why Romans 6.16 is so important. Yes, it is. I mean, There's only two avenues. One of them is the will of the Father happening in your life. The other one is not. If my faith is in the sacrifice, and I don't mean I'm saying it is, if that's what my heart is trusted in, yielded to, that's the only way I can serve obedience that's unto righteousness. That's the obedience of Christ and His righteousness. If that's not the avenue, there's only one other. And it means I might be talking about the cross, but I ain't trusting in it because I'm really trusting in this. I'm trusting in something else, and I'm serving the sin nature that's unto death, meaning an unfruitful place. I could I can I can bring forth no fruit because the Holy Spirit doesn't work in any of that. Amen. One more verse before we quit today. Let's finish this first. That we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, colon. What? By whose stripes you were healed. Now this ain't talking about physical healing. By his stripes we were healed from our sickness of sin. Amen. And given an opportunity to live under righteousness. That's why God says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, I'll fill you. If you seek my kingdom and my righteousness first, I'll add everything you need to your life. If you love my righteousness, I'll fill your heart with joy. The joy, what does it say, the oil of gladness. It's all about righteousness. Let me say it again because it's a precious and powerful truth. The righteousness of God is the the one thing that unlocks all the mysteries of the Bible. All of them. All of them. All of them. Righteousness. He had to make you that. And then he robed you with that. And then he set your feet on that path. And then he said, I've given you footprints to follow that you'll be able to see if you'll follow me. Let's look at that today. Where is this at? Where's my Bible? Here it is Psalms 85 and 13. Psalms 85. In 13, prophetic of our Savior this morning as we read this, I hope you'll see that and understand that. This is about what went before Jesus and what also has set us in the way of his steps. Let's read it. Psalms 85, 13, righteousness shall go before him. Every step he took was his way to Calvary. Yes. Because although he was righteousness and every word he spoke was a word of righteousness and every deed he did was a work of righteousness, But let me say this, only the work of righteousness on the cross opened the door for you to be made righteous, cloaked in his righteousness, set on the path of righteousness. To have anything to do with who he was, who is the branch of righteousness, he had to die so we could enter in to that righteousness. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. It's not hard to follow Jesus you just got to know what went before him and where he provided what went before him to you which was the cross hallelujah what God saw at Calvary was his son and a perfect humility a perfect obedience and a perfect trust uh, and a perfect surrender to him and his righteous judgment which proves to us that when Jesus taught us in John 7:24 that our judgment must be righteous judgment, that means everything that we use all of God's words for, that are all in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8, they must all pass through the scope, the lens of Calvary, or they will not function in your life. We've played make-believe, and we've even given testimony to what the word did here and there but if all God's words are in righteousness Proverbs 8 and 8 and his righteousness is revealed in the gospel Romans 1 16 and 17 then that means all the words of God must be seen and can only be experienced through faith in the gospel Which proves the point I said earlier that the word of God will never distract from the gospel. It will enhance our view of it. Why would it not if we've been commanded to be found striving together for the faith of the gospel? Amen. So let me encourage you as we close today. You can do the will of the Father. Don't look around at what somebody else is doing and say, I wish I could be like them. No, you don't. I promise you, you don't. But you can say it right. I want to be more like Jesus. I want more of Jesus to fill my heart. I want more of Him. I want to see Calvary the way my Father in Heaven saw Calvary because it was His plan and it was a perfect plan. And what He provided there for me, I can access every moment if I only will. If I only will, we don't always, do we? But if I only will choose to believe moment by moment, then I'll experience the fruit of what my Jesus did for me at Calvary. Because it really is about his fruit, right? It's his fruit. It only becomes our fruit if it's his fruit. Amen. Amen. So you can live for God. I mean, look at me and Brother Annie. Y'all haven't heard about us? Look at us. Look at your own selves and where you were and where you are now. You didn't do that. You didn't do that. God raised you up out of that old miry clay. And He set your feet on a rock of righteousness. Hallelujah. A rock that won't be moved from its place. Which is the place of God's redemption and if that's where we keep building on and trusting in and walking with our faith in, then we will be found doing the Father's will. Quit looking back at your past and look ahead because the footprints of Jesus are in front of you, not behind you. Mm. Would you stand with me this morning? Y'all done made me preach myself happy. Glory be to God. My goodness, we've got a good Savior. He's faithful. God's going to open doors in the days ahead for us. We never thought possible. God's going to use us through the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the days ahead, and we're going to kick ourselves for being bound by fear for so long. God's going to use us in the days ahead to speak the gospel and to declare the truth and and to watch Him work in other people's lives, and we're just going to probably end up kicking ourselves for, for... Let fear dominate us for so long. Listen, I promise you this morning, if you start beholding the Lamb and praising God for the Lamb and studying the Word and the light of the Lamb, your heart is going to be more toward the Lord than ever before. It takes the cross to have a heart for God. It takes the cross to have a heart for God. And it takes a continual beholding of that Lamb to see that heart growing and being more for God the will of the Father is done by those who have a heart a true heart of full assurance you know you're sure of your salvation this morning aren't you can't nobody talk you out of it well we ought also not to let anybody talk us out of the will of God being carried out in our lives because he's got a perfect will for you it's not like everybody else's. it's his will for you doesn't matter how young you are Jackson no matter how old we might be. The will of God for you starts the moment you said yes to Jesus. You're going to find what that is in this Bible. You'll find it. You'll find it easy if you're beholding the Lamb. The reason we don't know the will of God for our lives for so long in life is because we weren't beholding the Lamb for a long time. Amen. You start beholding that Lamb and everything God's got for you is going to start flowing in your life. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning. Oh, we thank you for your presence this morning in this place. We thank you for filling our hearts with praise and worship this morning. We thank you, Lord, for filling our hearts with that precious love that you are to us. We thank you for providing everything that we'll ever need. And I thank you this morning for showing us the way we're going to have to deal with all suffering with the suffering that you provided so that we can endure any and all suffering of this world, of the enemy of our own flesh. Any suffering can be dealt with properly if we will remain in the fellowship the suffering of your Son. And I thank you for this great truth this morning. And I pray that you'd stir our hearts with it and fill our hearts with it. We thank you this morning for blessing us with a time of praise and worship. A time, Lord God, where we could sit and hear the word and be encouraged and reminded of Jesus and his faithfulness. To come and represent you to us. And to die on the cross so he could represent us to you. And give us a trail of truth to walk in. The way of the cross. I thank you, Lord, for enhancing the view of the Lamb this morning, the precious view. Oh, and I pray that you'd continue to show us, Lord, more and more about how you saw Calvary, what you intended on that doing for us in our moment-by-moment living. Everything that you have planned for us because of that one day on that one hill through that one man through that one redemptive plan hallelujah hallelujah to the Lamb of God angel you want to sing for us this morning if you can or just play whatever if anybody needs prayer this morning why don't you come let's gather and pray if you need prayer let's believe God together He's got a will that's so precious and perfect for your lives. And you know what? It's not any less than for any other Christian. It's the same. It's precious and it's powerful and it's beautiful. Lord, I just thank you this morning for Seth and Sierra and I thank you for Rhett. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their hearts, oh God, how you're drawing them. I thank you, Lord, that it's we don't always accept. We don't always just come Willingly, Sometimes we kick against the grain. But I thank you, Lord, for continually showing us how much you love us and how worth it it really is just to stay in a place where we're trusting you above all things. And I thank you, Lord, for what you've done in their lives and what you're going to do in the days ahead, who you are to them and how that you've made them one. And I just praise you, Lord, that in the days ahead they're going to see you in a greater light. And they're going to walk through doors that they never thought would even be possible and never even knew it existed. And I praise you, Lord, for making them instruments of honor in your hands. Not comparing themselves with other people, but only comparing themselves with their eyes beholding the land your faithfulness at all times and i praise you for seven Sierra and rent and what you're doing in and through them use them mightily in the days ahead thank you lord this morning that not one weapon formed against us can prosper but the word that you sent to heal us and to deliver us this morning i thank you lord god that what our brothers crying out to you for this morning You already knew about it. You're looking at it. Your hands are upon it. And you're, Lord, you're more faithful than we can imagine. You promised us that when you promised us that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly more than our lips can request or that our minds can even imagine. And I thank you for those very things that you. Promised. Whatever Brother Craig's seeking you for, Lord, that you would show him that you're not only the God that says, but the God that does. And I thank you for providing him, Lord, with the great truth of who you are and what you're able to do in and through him and for him in every situation, giving him, Lord, the wisdom and the knowledge that he needs every step of the way. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for giving him a heart on fire for you more than all things else. A heart that desires you. We give you all the praise for your touch upon him, body, soul, and spirit. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for Patrick and Kiwana this morning. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. I thank you, Lord. It's an amazing thing where we can be just walking along one day thinking everything's going to be all right and then you show up and tell us it is going to be all right and I'm going to show you how it's going to be all right I'm going to show you what I did to make it all right and Lord we start walking in that truth and then you just start pouring out of your spirit on us and I thank you that these vessels are a testimony of that very thing you revealing yourself to them and now you revealing Yourself Through them We praise you for those open doors And that favor and the wisdom of God That you are to them Hallelujah
1: Lord we just
0: lift up Peyton and Kirsten this morning And all the children That you've given them And all the things Lord That fill their heart that are toward you this morning I thank you that your ears not deaf to any of it, but that your your ears here and your hands are already reaching, Lord, into the very situations that their heart seeks you. Lord, I thank you for touching every situation. I thank you, Lord, for using them mightily in the days ahead, opening doors, God, that they'll they'll find their feet walking through with the power of the gospel, Lord, not only heard on their lips, but seen through the way they live, through seen through their expression of you. I thank you, Lord, for all that you desire to do, that all of your will be carried out in their lives and even their children, Lord, that we can pray for even now as they would grow up and become instruments of honor in your hands, Lord God, that they would walk in the footprints that you left, just like their parents are doing, and teaching them, not only with words, but that they will be able to look and see mom and dad standing in that place where you planted them and walking in those steps, footprints you left for them, And I thank you for a hunger, Lord, that far surpasses anything they've ever known, Lord, even right now on this day, Lord. As hungry as they've been, Lord, as desirous as they've been, I pray it would be increased. And the wisdom they've had, Lord, I pray for an increase out of that treasure chest of Jesus. That you would pour out upon them and bless them and use them, reaching far into the depths of their family members, Lord, that they pray for that their eyes would be open to the truth of the gospel and those that are lost would be saved. And those that are saved would find you calling them and beckoning them to walk with you according to the scriptures. Oh, and we thank you, Lord, that we're going to see the very fruit of these things we're praying for in the days ahead. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, again, we lift up the Hunt family. We lift up all those relatives of Brother Dale. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your comfort and your strength upon them. And I pray, God, that you would help them through this season of loss, uh, that their memories, their hearts would be filled with memories of Brother Dale, Their, their family memories, but most of all, their memories of the testimony that Dale was here living in the light of the testimony you made through the blood of the Lamb. And I pray that this Thursday night's memorial service of great celebration, that many would come and that we would be encouraged and edified by what you did in the life of Brother Dale and the testimony that you made him among those that knew him. And we would pray the same thing for ourselves today, Lord. We pray your blessings upon that service Thursday evening. And as we leave this place today, I pray that our desire would be to see the cross more like you saw it. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb to experience the cross the way your desire is that we experience it after even we're born again. And I praise you for a continual outflow from that river of life, clear as a crystal of glass that flows from the throne upon where you sit and the Lamb is seated there beside you. I praise you for that river of revelation. Oh, that rock, that revelation of that water that flows from the rock. And we praise you today for filling our hearts with more of Jesus in the days ahead. And it's in his name that we thank you and that we praise you and that we ask all these things today. Jesus, 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 amen and amen. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I love love. Jesus. Hallelujah. Have a great week and listen for the Lord's direction.